Hi, this is Steve Roost and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. Each week we give you the best news, views and interviews from the health technology world. From CEOs and founders to entrepreneurs and clinicians. The companies and people that are shaping the future face of healthcare. All on the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost. Each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the founders, leaders, CEOs and clinicians who are changing the face of healthcare in the UK and beyond. I am a CEO and founder of a health tech company myself. Those of you who listen to the show regularly will know that that company is called PopDoc and we're revolutionizing the blood testing space by enabling you to be able to give yourself a blood test just using your phone. Um, I'm passionate about the people and companies who are changing the world of health tech. That's why we do the show. Thanks to everyone who is listening. Thanks to also, thanks to zerozilchzip.co.uk for partnering the show, for supporting the show. They've been fantastic. Um, Zero Zilch Zip are the UK's leading online curated non-alcoholic drinks retailer. So um, they have got um, a huge selection of beers, wines, spirits, and fizz, all alcohol-free, but all that they've tested and tasted themselves. Now, as people know on the show, I went on my own alcohol-free journey. And believe you me, having someone taste all of the rubbish stuff so you can get to the good stuff would have been a brilliant thing if I'd have found that at the beginning of my journey. Anyway, zerozilchzip.co.uk. Um, so last week, we, we for those of you that saw, we had a, a huge response to our exclusive show with Matt Hancock that we filmed at the Houses of Parliament. It was honestly quite quite amazing to go there with the film crew and to, to sit with him and, and to get a lot of time with him and, and, and you know, and film. It was a great show. However you feel about Matt as a person, you know, and, and based on the comments that we've seen after the show, there's, I'd say there's a plurality of opinions, you know, I think that would be fair. Um, but however you feel about him, he ultimately presided over the greatest change in the healthcare system in the UK in a hundred years. And he led the pandemic response for one of the largest economies in the world. And so, you know, he's got a lot to say on both those issues. And I think it was great to be able to talk to him. And he shared, he shared a lot, actually, probably potentially more than we were expecting. So that was, you know, he was very open, um, particularly that he, he stopped Donald Trump stealing the UK's vaccine. And that story actually made it into the Daily Mail, which was great. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, check it out on UK Health Radio, listen again on Spotify or also on our YouTube channel. We've got the whole video up there. So on to today's show. This is a new area, again, for the show. Um, we've not done anything in this area before, which is great because we love doing new stuff on the show. Um, this area is around how to provide the right information to young patients who are in hospital or going into hospital, about to go under treatment, how to provide those young patients with the right information at the right time to help them um, reduce their anxiety, understand what's about to happen, and ultimately to, you know, have a more successful treatment and better outcomes. So, you know, because they understand more going, they can actually get more from the treatment and, and leave in a, in a healthier condition. So the company we're talking to today is called Exploro Health. That's X-P-L-O-R-O Health. They are using artificial intelligence, so AI, augmented reality and games 
to do that, to help younger patients um, understand what's going to happen to them and reduce their anxiety. And on the show today, we have Dom Rabin, CEO and founder of Exploro. How are you, Dom? Welcome to the show. I'm really good. Thanks very much, Steve. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So before we get into everything with Explorer Health, um, as I mentioned, the show supported by Zero Zero Zip. And each week we have, we still don't have a good name for this, but the segment is called the Non-Alcoholic Drink of the Week Review. We still need a catchy name for that, but we don't have one. So this week, have you ever heard of something called kombucha, Dom? Do you know what kombucha is? I've heard heard of it, yeah. Yeah. As had I before this week, I was in that camp. So this week at Health Tech Hour Towers, we've been mostly drinking the kombucha sparkling oolong tea from Holes. That's H-O-L-S, provided by Zero Zero Zip. Now, when I got this out of the box and it said sparkling tea, I was like, that's that's nuts. That's just not going to taste any good. But um, it was amazing. So really fresh, really fruity, a little bit of a strain, you know, a little bit of an earthy kind of taste. But actually it, it works. The bottle looks amazing. It's like pure black with fantastic writing on it. So, you know, credit to them. Um, so, yeah, it looks great. So I can recommend the kombucha sparkling oolong tea. Um, yeah, there you go. Check it out, Dom. Good for summer. Um, That's good. So let's talk about you. And let's talk about Explorer Health. So um, what, uh, you know, w- what was your journey like as we, as on the show, regular listeners know, we sort of go through origins into, you know, what how you came to be changing the world, how you are changing the world now and sort of watch the future hold. So w- what was your journey like in, into healthcare and then also subsequently into the particular area of, of healthcare that you're in, which is sort of weirdly, I think, a mixture of s- a concept that makes complete sense, but you've 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 added in a huge amount of high level groundbreaking technology to solve that issue you know so look what was your sort of journey like yeah well i i I guess probably before i talk talk about the journey it's probably worth giving a a bit of context about me and my background so um i have spent oh god 30 odd years owning and managing digital and creative agencies i'm a i'm a designer by background uh started out in design in the early 80s a very very long time ago um but um the 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 agency I'm, i ran most recently for the last or oh, the last 15 years or so until i started exploro was one that focused very much on uh mobile technologies and emerging technologies so so that's kind of my experience uh software development and design but my journey into healthcare was one that i definitely didn't choose um Back in 2011, uh, my daughter, October 2011, my daughter was uh, having some riding lessons. Uh, She uh, accomplished her first rising trot. She was 13 at the time. Okay. Um, And uh, subsequently, you know, within hours, within hours probably of that rising riding lesson, she was in excruciating pain. Oh wow! Um, and uh, we and she didn't fall. No, she hadn't fallen off or anything. She hadn't, she hadn't fallen. No, she was just bouncing up and down on the saddle. Okay. Uh, okay. Not, you know, it wasn't a great rising trot. So. <laughs> I mean, I got to be honest. I'm not the right judge. I wouldn't be able to tell you one from the other. But you know, I'm glad it yeah. was. She, she, she yeah. did that achievement. She managed to do it, but it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, she was she was in a lot of pain, and um, uh, I think. You know, we we didn't do much the first day. The following morning, she was due to go to school, um, and the pain was worse. So um, 
we gave her some painkillers. She went off to school and came home that evening and she'd right. been in acute pain all, all day. So we took her to the GP. Um, the GP helpfully said it's growing pains. Don't, don't worry about it. Right. Uh, go away and go away and never darken my door again. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, a, a few days passed, the pain got worse back to uh, our practice is a, a kind of group of GPs. So uh, back saw a different GP. They were much more sympathetic. Um, didn't didn't know what the problem was, but referred us to A and E. So we went up to A um, and E, um, and you know the usual way. She was admitted admitted onto a ward um, and told that she would need to spend the night there for an MRI scan the following morning. Okay. Next day, MRI scan. Uh, the results uh, came through kind of six o'clock the following evening, six o'clock that evening, but no explanation. It was basically just, there is a problem. You need to see a specialist. We'll refer you to the local specialist center. Um, okay. So at this point, still no idea of what was going on. There wasn't right. a bed available uh, okay. in the specialist center. Uh, Isabel, my daughter was unable to move. So she was kept in hospital, put on a, put on a, uh, a morphine drip. Oh wow! And about about ten days passed. Ten days, like any, that. yeah, ten ten days on a morphine drip without any hint of a diagnosis or any hint of what a possible diagnosis might be. Okay. Uh, so 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 ten days later, eventually a bed becomes free. Our our, our local specialist centre is um, Royal Manchester Children's Hospital, okay. and uh, she's transported by ambulance to Royal Manchester, and she arrives. In Royal Manchester Children's Hospital, and it's taken up to a ward, and it's an oncology ward, and kids are walking around attached to infusion pumps. They've got no hair. Mm. They look like they're dying. Some of them are. Yeah. Um, and and that was the first, you know, the first time where, I mean, at this point it hadn't hadn't been mentioned. It was just very visible. Cancer right. was visible. So, uh, right. you know, that was a really kind of brutal introduction to 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 my daughter's ultimate diagnosis, which was. Um, Ewing sarcoma so um, that's a, a pretty aggressive thankfully quite rare um, bone cancer um, and uh, I, I have to say now just before anyone starts feeling too too upset by this story that she's 10 years cancer free and she's okay she's doing she's doing really well she's just graduated right. from university and she's embarking on on her right. career but um, that was a very kind of um, so, so like at the point where like you, she got into the cancer ward. At that point, no one had mentioned anything about cancer. No, and that's no, that, no, so. No. With, at that point, did like how quickly at that point did the penny sort of drop in the worst way? That uh, well, I mean, uh, pretty instantly uh, right. for all of us, I think. Although you know, at that point, we were we were internalizing all those fears. Yeah, and I think you know, in in all honesty, my wife and I probably. As you do, thought God, I hope it's not cancer. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think for my daughter particularly, that was a, a particularly um, distressing introduction to yeah. what was then going to turn into a, a, a year-long period of pretty intensive care in various various different centres. So, you know, she yeah. went on from there. She was treated at six different hospitals in total, I think. Okay. Um, she had 15 rounds of chemotherapy. Wow. Uh, an operation to remove her sacrum. 
the NHS paid for us as, as a family of four to go and live in the States for for uh, 10 weeks where she had proton beam therapy, which was oh, yeah. phenomenal. So um, that was that, that that there's been some controversy around that that particular therapy, right? Around like whether or not the NHS would do it, or do they, they started to do it now? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think the, the well, yes, they they've uh, very soon after my they paid for us as a family to go to the states. They uh, started the commissioning process for the first two proton therapy centres in the UK, which was mm. uh, the Christie NHS Trust and uclh nhs trust both of which are live now and treating patients and both actually customers of explorer but we'll come on to that we'll come on to that later um so um you know i think i think just just to just to kind of box off the controversies that you're referring to i think it's more about the controversies arose largely because it's a very very expensive therapy Mm. and so the choices that the nhs made about who they sent overseas for that therapy were were undoubtedly controversial because you know there were some winners like my daughter who who got the therapy and some losers who 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 made the press who, yeah. who didn't get the therapy so um, decisions but yeah but you know we we okay. we we were very fortunate in that sense and very fortunate that you know my daughter was in a situation where she was undoubtedly receiving brilliant clinical care from mm. all of the hospitals that she she attended but what she didn't get was any information, any prior information about any of this. So no prior information about what those environments were going to be like. You know, we're sat on a plane going to the States 4,000 miles away mm-hmm. uh, for a therapy we know nothing about. Uh, no, I, mean, not I, mean, so, I mean, let's just take that as a second. Because like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad of three, you know, they're, 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 they're a lot littler, but, you know, they're, you know, ones, you know, five, you know, little, little people. Yeah. But like, so I could, I mean, what, what information did you get? Like, well, suddenly they were like, "Oh, hey, congrats! Like, you can go." I mean, what happened? I mean, that's we, what, what information did we get? Well, so we got a leaflet. Uh, that, a leaflet. That, that, <laughs> yeah. We got a leaflet that told us virtually nothing, uh, and a link to a website that showed us some smiling people outside a shiny building, uh, wow. and that was that was pretty. And they were much like it. your appointments ten o'clock on Tuesday, like you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, so wow. so minimal, minimal information. Wow, um, and that was true. You know that that that's that's um, you know we're, we're talking about proton beam therapy, but that was true of you know when she went to Birmingham Royal Orthopaedic for a re- for the removal of her sacrum. It was true. Mm. Uh, here's a case in point. It was true in in, in her main hospital when a, a, a big piece of machinery was wheeled up to her bedside and she was plugged in. Nobody told her in detail what this piece of machinery was going to do or what mm. the, the outcome would be, uh, and the, the procedure failed. Um, it was a stem cell harvester. Um, and, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That whole process failed because she wasn't, you know, she wasn't prepared. She wasn't oh, emotionally it, or psychologically it, prepared. Right. Wow. Okay, so then after that, experience and and so how how did that at what point did you move from being a parent just trying to deal with yeah. this traumatic situation yeah. to thinking well hold up a second yeah. if yeah. I'm dealing with this and we're dealing with this you know yeah. how many other people are like how did that sort of start to yeah. happen well look I mean I think so many founders in healthcare come into healthcare through through personal stories so I think that's oh, the first thing pretty much every but, single person on the show yeah 
yeah you know including me including, i mean pretty much everybody exclusively yeah. yeah yeah but then i think you know i've met lots of parents who've been through um not necessarily cancer treatment for their children but prolonged uh prolonged treatment for their children and and to a t they all reflect on that experience and think how can i use my professional skills to make that experience better for other children and right. you know as i said at the top of the show my skills are in design and software development right so i was very clear that i wanted to do something but it took me it took me uh, two or three years to really kind of process all of that and to figure out what was missing and um and 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 you know exactly what the problem was and then what i could do about it and then it the the, the real catalyst was um a chance meeting with um, the clinical director of Royal Manchester Children's Hospital, um, a guy called Dr. Peter Mark Fortune. And I started talking to him about some of the ideas we had. I'd already, by this point, I'd, I'd realised that, um, you know, something needed to be done about providing information for patients. I'd done some desk-based research, discovered that there's loads of information that says provides patients with information and uh, the experience reduced anxiety and that can lead to better clinical outcomes. So okay. I kind of discussed this with the, the doctor and, um, and you know, he was really, really enthusiastic about, about helping us do something. And that gave us um, access into the NHS. It enabled us to start testing some prototypes. It enabled us to, to, to actually access some money from the NHS incredibly. Right. Um, we, we, we got about 20,000 oh, pounds to nice. help us build some prototypes. And uh, this was cool. back in 20, 2016 um, okay. and that really kind of kicked off the idea so uh, and did what, you focus five, on any particular ago. were you focused on any particular areas to begin with you know and, and like what how did you decide because I mean there's millions of people that go into the NHS every year so how did you sort of work out where well, look, the, you know you know the story started with cancer so originally right. it was the, the what we were trying to do was just provide better information for paediatric cancer patients okay. and obviously we've moved on since then but that was where we that was where we started and like how much so when you went to talk to this the what was his name again sorry uh peter yeah. mark fortune oh, that's a good name peter mark fortune yeah. from um from was it the royal free you said right? royal, royal manchester royal manchester and so when you went to talk to him was he sort of like oh my goodness like what was his reaction when you started to talk about this type of thing was it's like oh my God, I'm so pleased someone's coming to talk to me about this. This is a huge issue. Or like, what was this type of take on the whole thing? Like, I'm just, just curious. Well, I think, you know, he, um, Peter Mark's a, a, a paediatric intensivist. So he works in intensive care all the time. He sees kids at, at the sort of maximum state of trauma. Right. Um, but he, he just, he just absolutely got what we were trying to do. Um, and, and I should say he's, He's now a non-exec director of the company um, six, seven years later. So, Okay, so he just immediately understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. It's always like I think in the NHS, it's extremely helpful slash necessary to have a kind of champion. You know, yeah, absolutely. To help Crucial. You with that, particularly Crucial. for the early access for you, the prototyping, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were very lucky as well. I mean, we've done a lot of work um, in my in my commercial career as an agency uh, director with a user experience research agency called Sutherland Labs based in okay. London. 
And uh, in conversation with their CEO, he said, look, I'll give you 30 grand's worth of user research time. So not only did we have this small pot of money to build some prototypes, we had some dedicated user research time. So we were able with that to really start validating the idea. Cool. Great. Well, look, we need to take two minutes for a commercial break. But after that, let's get into all of the stuff that you're doing. So I know there's a heck of a lot of stuff that you're that you're up to. So I think that the story to this point makes a lot of sense. And, you know, transitioning from that insight into, you know, how you start to do this, you know, how do you scale up and all the things you're doing, I think will be super interesting. So we'll be back in two minutes with Dom Rabin from Explorer Health. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing, a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things. Make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with zero zilch zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome back to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Bruce, and my guest this week, Dom Rabin, CEO and co-founder of Exploro Health. So um, before the break, we sort of got up to the point where you'd got some cash from the NHS to build some prototypes. What happened then? So this was still, uh, at this point, a side project within my digital agency. We were, okay. you know, anytime there was any gap in developer or designer time, uh, we would spend it on Explorer. But we then went on and went down went down the grant funding route. Okay. Um, very difficult in that early stage to to find grant funding. You know, all we had was a very rough and ready prototype that we'd tested with a handful of patients. Um, and what did it do? What did the prototype do? So it it, it we took uh, a couple of environments, so um, a, a hospital ward, um and uh an mri um and and we built 3d models of them that you could view in and explore in augmented reality okay so you could kind of tap around the environments tap around the mri uh, and discover what the environment was like or or what the piece of equipment did okay you could just sort of move around and you know okay yeah okay cool yeah okay yeah yeah didn't do a lot more than that okay and like what did you get to learn about the mri like what what problems were you trying to solve by explaining what an MRI did? That you okay, so, um, I mean, Steve, have you had an MRI? I've had two recently, right. actually. Right. So, right. yes, so you, I know. I so know. You, know, you know what it's like. It's a big, scary piece of equipment. Loud, uncomfortable, extremely yeah. hot, you know, yeah. quite weird when you have to put your head in there and stay still. It's it's a bit claustrophobic, yeah. a lot claustrophobic actually yeah exactly and 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 what ten, what happens in around about 20 percent of cases is that people move because mm-hmm. you know they're lying on the on the 
on the patient table then suddenly this kind of banging starts up and you go well yeah. what's that you know yeah uh, and it's it's pretty scary so um yeah if you move obviously the procedure has to be stopped started again that's right. expensive yeah. um and so what we were trying to do was we were taking in our early prototype we were taking something that we knew was problematic we knew that patients were scared coming to it mm. Um, and even more scared when it started up. So what we, our, our kind of theory was that if we provide information about that prior to the intervention in a way that's engaging, not you know, not anything like the leaflet that my daughter got before she had proton beam therapy, but something much more interactive, much more yeah. age appropriate, that we could potentially uh, reduce the number of times a patient moves and therefore the number of times the procedure has to be repeated and the right. same with the the same with the uh the the hospital environment you know you go into you're, you're going into a hospital you've potentially got no preconceptions of what that's going to be like other than that it's going to be scary mm. uh, and so again we were trying to make that environment more inviting less scary by familiarizing the child with it beforehand and you said at the beginning, I think earlier on in the show, and we talked about this in the in the in the pre-show call that we that we always do. Um, there's a financial impact to the system. Obviously, there's a personal impact to the to the yeah. person to patient yeah. being treated. There's obviously a potential risk of a more uh, of a worse outcome health wise to that if 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 the person has anxiety or and so on. But there's also a real financial cost to the system here, right? For for yeah. this lack of information, lack of care, lack of yeah. you know explanation has a hard financial cost to yeah absolutely i mean anxious patients are expensive patients and they're expensive for a whole number of reasons they're expensive you know i just mentioned repeat procedures in things like mri they're expensive because quite often they don't show up for appointments mm -hmm. uh, they're expensive because they don't adhere to medicine regimes right um they're expensive because they sometimes need to be sedated. So in paediatrics, um, and I'll, come, I'll relate this back to MRI again, in paediatrics, kids are very often given either sedation or a general anaesthetic to keep them still when they have an MRI. I either, didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. But that makes, I mean, yeah. if, if they yeah. won't, see, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that, different. You know, we, we do, we do um, as, as we were saying before, we do a lot of work in the States and, and they actually... They actually use sedation and general anaesthetic to a later age than they tend to do in the UK. Okay, um, but it's a it's a universal problem. So for yeah. all of those reasons, you know, you've got loads and loads of reasons why. Um, you know, in terms of kind of procedural efficiency, uh, there are very very good reasons for you reducing anxiety in patients. And then, of course, as you say, there are the the long term better health outcomes that are associated with the reduction in anxiety as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you're having to anaesthetize or sedate or anaesthetize every child or however many children that need an MRI, that's a huge amount of burden on the anaesthetic services of that particular yeah. hospital, right? And that yeah. Yeah. that will then, it's not just the availability of the scanner that is causing a backlog, it's the availability of the scanner and the anaesthetist to come in at yeah. that period of time. Absolutely. And, and you know, there's another cost that we should take into account, which is the cost outside of the hospital. So there's good evidence that suggests that, that anxious patients, anxiety in patients can lead to um, 
behavioural and social problems outside mm-hmm. of out, outside of the hospital environment. Yeah, I mean, I you know, just data point of one, you know, like if I have to go in for a procedure, then I'm anxious about it. You know, it's like it's not it's not normal course of business. You know, it's like I've yeah. got to like you've got to prepare for it, or you know, and there's also there's the anxiety around. Well, I know I'm I'm I don't think I'm necess- I don't think I have a problem, but I obviously have enough of a problem that I need the procedure. And then obviously when you, you know, you read the possible outcomes, it's like, well, there are some that are good and there are some that are really bad. And like, it's very hard to stop yourself thinking about the ones that are bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, actually, I mean, talking about the, the, the cost of, of, of some of those procedural issues, we're actually, we're actually doing a couple of research studies at the moment, which are probably worth mentioning. So please, yeah. Um, uh, at Boston Children's Hospital, we're doing um, uh, we're looking at whether a cohort of children having access to Exploro and then going into the radiology department for an MRI scan. We're looking mm-hmm. at whether that cohort move less when they have an MRI than than historic oh, cool. data. That's a good idea. Uh, so that will give us that you know, assuming that, that we're about halfway through data collection on that, but assuming that. The data collection is positive. That will give us some hard economic data that we can we can we can quantify as as a, as a potential cost saving. Um, we're doing another study, which is a full six month IRB backed study at a hospital in Portland, in Oregon, where we're looking at whether children accessing Explorer require less pre procedural sedation. Um, oh, wow! Okay. Again, you know, if we get some positive data from that. Um, that again will give us a, a. I mean, so credit to you guys, you know, because I think that that obviously we have all sorts of companies and things like that on the show, and I'm I'm in the industry myself and stuff like that, and I think that, you know, the area that you're in, which is providing informational, what wh- however you want to describe it, ultimately is trying to provide information in a format and a methodology in a way that's engaging for the for a particular type of patient cohort, whether it's pediatrics or whoever else it is. Like you could have very easily not done these clinical work, right? You could have very easily not taken this hard path and still sold it as a service, right? Because actually what you're trying to do is relate it back to a hard clinical decision uh, and, and, and treatment pathway and therefore a hard cost. And I think like all credit to you for taking that hard path. Yeah, I think I think I think you're right. But I think without the evidence, our market would have been different. I think without the evidence, we would have been looking at a B two C market. So we would have been selling right. to parents. Okay. Uh, parents parents absolutely get what we're trying to do and would pay for the product, but would rather they didn't. Yeah. Um, healthcare systems, on the other hand, are uh, are harder to convince for good reason. You know, they they yeah, if they're going to spend money, money they. They require they require evidence, and so yeah. uh, it was very important that 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 we gathered that evidence so that we could get healthcare organisations to purchase it rather than parents. Makes sense. And so you you know so you've had a couple of these prototypes out there that were working, and you know this was like five or six years ago. And so how, how did it kind of evolve? You know, from there, you know, you had some of these grant things like that, the grant funding group. Like, yeah. what was the journey? And you know, uh, also particularly like. How did you work out how to make the changes that you made to the product and the technologies? Because you use augmented reality, you use AI, you use games. And how did you try and how did you evolve each one of those things? Because each of those areas is a huge area in and of itself, right? You know, so yeah, I'm super interested how you evolved the product. Yeah, well, so so I mean, I think 
Um, at this point, I should mention some really key members of our team, and they're, they're our expert advisory board. Um, the oldest member of our expert advisory board is 16, and the youngest is eight. Um, and cool. they they um they're 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 a really diverse group of kids so um some of them about half the group have never been into a hospital for anything okay um, and and the other half have had you know anything from um lifelong treatment to uh, you know year long treatment whatever so that with quite a preponderance of of ex cancer patients and current cancer patients actually so um our expert advisory board have really been crucial in helping us evolve the product. Um, that that board, along with user testing in in a hospital setting with patients, yeah. um, and I think it's absolute. It's been absolutely crucial to us to make sure that you know we're we're building a product for children. Mm-hmm. I'm 60 years old this year, and. You know, you don't who am I? You're very, very flattering. But anyway, who am point, I? <laughs> the point is well taken. Yeah. Who are you yeah. like? I mean, who am I to decide what works for children? I, you know, I've got kids, but that's, that, you know, that's not the point. Um, and so involving children in the design of Explorer has been absolutely crucial to its success. And we've done that since day one. You know, the very first thing we did way back in 2015 was get some school kids in on work placements to figure out what kind of inter- intervention they would like to see um, if they were going into a hospital. But, okay, I, I love this. And I, I, because the thing is, like, from time to time, you always hear about, well, you don't always hear, but like, you hear about companies that are like, you know, we've given this to these group of children because they're the future and like, et cetera. And it's just, yeah. it just doesn't even sound realistic. But like, so how, how, like, how do you work with children to how do other obviously I understand you give them the product they look at the app and so on how do you then take that into actual product a product roadmap or product changes or how how did they actually help you evolve that maybe you can give some examples I think it's super interesting and it makes total sense but I would imagine the difficulty in it is not necessarily giving the product to the children it's actually trying to figure out based on what they say how you then you know, distill that down into actionable you know points but yeah. i don't know i think it's really interesting yeah. way to do it well i think I, th- I think um how do you do it so um you do it iteratively for a start so so first of all you need to you need to talk to children to find out what the problem is okay it it then requires uh, the skills of a team of designers and developers to figure out what what you know what the range of possible solutions might be what could we do as what could we develop as a company that might possibly uh tackle that problem mm. so you prototype some of those ideas and then you take them back to children and you say is does this you know does this kind of do anything for you does this right. kind of meet that problem at all and and you know you get feedback and we we actually had a we actually had a session um of our expert advisory board this saturday um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend because I was flying back from the States. But um, we've been doing some work. Here's an example. We've been doing some work recently on our avatar, which is uh, okay. um, I, I haven't really talked about the product, but the whole premise of Exploro is that the child creates and customizes an avatar, and that avatar then becomes their guide through their healthcare journey. Okay. And our very the, the, the style of the avatar 
was based on feedback we got from children about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And we've been keen to evolve it as, mm-hmm. um, you know, our team's become more experienced and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. so we've developed a, you know, a much more, um, detailed, more fully featured avatar capable of kind of more sophisticated facial expressions, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're all really proud of it. And uh, we've had some great feedback on it from, you know, contacts on LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. We presented it to the children and they hated it. <laughs> really? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. They were like, yeah. no, you've just completely yeah. missed it. Yeah. Back, back to the drawing board. Back to oh, the drawing wow. board. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, <laughs> and, and we, we'll, we'll iterate that process. We'll go back to the next meeting with, with an iteration. Um, right. So, um, but you know, there are other features in Explorer. So, for example, we've got um, we've got a mood diary where the child can um, express how they're feeling about upcoming events, and mm-hmm. and the way in which we do that was completely co-designed with our expert advisory board. So it was a, a one-day workshop. Um, what are the what are the words you use to describe a range of emotions? Um, how can we visualize these emotions? We picked the most common words they used, and then we create, created, created, created. I nearly said created an emoji set to uh, to to match those emotions with them. Okay, and um, what? Like, maybe could you give us, you know, to to the point around? Could you give us kind of like a a child's experience of Explorer? Like, how do they yeah. start interacting with it? How and just walk us through it? Because I think it's yeah. Super interesting. I think it would be really helpful just to go through it a little bit, you know, because there's obviously so much cool stuff associated with it. Yeah, sure. So the the most important thing is that the child gets it gets access to Explorer as early on as possible. Mm-hmm. So ideally, they'll get access before they've even come into hospital because it's much easier if a child goes into hospital in a state that isn't anxious. Yeah. That's much easier than trying to reduce anxiety when they come through the door. So Explorer is designed to sit on the child's own device, whether it be a tablet or a phone. Um, they get hold of it, you know, maybe with the first consultant appointment letter. Um, and then the first thing the child does is create and customise an avatar, which then becomes their guide through their journey. The guide then introduces the child to things like avatars of all the stuff they're likely to meet when they come into hospital. Okay. Um 3D virtual environments of, uh, you know, hospital waiting rooms, treatment rooms, wards, whatever it might and be it, that they're and is it experience. Speci- is it specific for their treatment pathway, so to speak, or is it generic at this point? Well, it's, it's, so it's specific to a general diagnosis. We're, okay. we, we know nothing about the individual patient. Right, got it, got it, got it. So, so if a child, for example, like my daughter, uh, was going into hospital prior to a cancer diagnosis, she would get fairly generic hospital content. But then okay. that cons- that cancer-related content can be turned on as she is diagnosed. Right. Okay. Um, so, okay. and then, you know, you know, in addition to the environments, there's a whole range of uh, interactive experiences. So things like I've talked about MRI, we've just developed a new experience, which is all about cannulation, which is, okay. you know... Um, uh, the, 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 the thing in the back of your yeah. hand, which yeah, yeah. is not 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 pleasant. Not 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 pleasant at all. So you know, we've developed an experience around that. And then there's a series of games, and each game delivers some medical learning, but it's fun to play. And some of them are multiplayer. You know, you can okay. learn how leukemia is treated, or 
uh, what a bedside patient monitor does or, or stuff cool. like that. And then there's a, a calendar function, which basically allows the child to have some sense of control over their day and they can create events, record how they feel about events through a mood diary, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's another module which allows us or allows clinicians to collect patient reported outcomes. And what's really cool, what's really cool about the, our, our patient reported outcomes module is that two things happen when a child responds to a questionnaire. One mm-hmm. is it goes directly to the patient record. Mm-hmm. But the really cool thing is that they win a dance animation that they can apply to their avatar. Nice. Yeah, that's great. And no, do you know what's amazing? It's like, you know, I don't know, obviously, as my kids grow up, I'm sure I'll find out, but they would love that. I mean, my kids would just absolutely, they, I mean, they have little reading games and things like that. Yeah, just yeah. And they love, I mean, they would absolutely love that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can totally see why that would why that would work. And so what has the kind of, feedback what what feedback do you have either from from um you know individual patients from adults from clinicians like what has the feedback been so far on on what you're doing well i I mean i'll I'll pick on i'll pick on one piece of feedback because it it really for me it really summarizes um why we're doing what we're doing and it was it was an email i received from a mum uh, she was the mum of uh, a nine-year-old girl who uh, was waiting to go into a hospital for the removal of a benign brain tumour. Um, and I can't remember the exact wording of the message, but it was along the lines of, you know, she's really enjoying using the app. But most importantly, what had happened for that nine-year-old girl was that prior to using Exploro, she had internalised all her fears. She wouldn't talk about going into a hospital. She was right. just shit scared basically um and what what her mum said was that since using explorer she'd started talking to her friends and family about that upcoming experience and she was using explorer as a vehicle to do that so she went from um a state of having no agency in the in the process mm-hmm. um to feeling like she could now talk openly and authoritatively about mm-hmm. what was going to happen um, and that you know that's that's the best feedback we've had. But to 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 to, to kind of broaden that out, the feedback we get from um, from clinicians and healthcare professionals is 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 almost unanimously. This is fantastic. There's a real need for this. But how are we going to pay for it? Right. Well, I mean, at least you got the first bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't, if yeah. you don't get the first bit, then the second bit is even harder. Um, yeah. So look, we have to break. We're going to take another couple of minutes for our final commercial break. And then we'll come back with the final part of the show. I really want to dig into like, so I know that you spend a lot of your time focusing on the US. Um, I want to understand a bit about that and why and the differences and things like that as you perceive them and why potentially that market may be something that's more open to this type of technology. I don't know. Um, and then we can touch on the future. But um, yeah, we'll be right back with Dom Rabin, CEO of Explorer Health in two minutes. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things. 
Make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. Discover alcohol freedom with Zero Zilch Zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. Hi, and welcome back to the last part of this week's Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio with me, Steve Roost, and Dom Rayban, the CEO of Explorer Health. Dom, before the break, you took us through all of the product and everything, which I thought was like, I mean, I, look, I think it sounds super, super interesting. Um, how come or why have you been spending so much time in the US? And is the reaction to this technology different over there? And if so, you know, why? Can you kind of elaborate a bit? Yeah, so I mean, I think we, when we first started building Exploro, um, we knew that if it was going to be commercially viable, um, it, we would need to market it in more than just the UK. So, so we built it from day one with internationalization in mind. So, um, we, we always knew that we would, we would, we would, we would look at multiple territories. Um, the US was a, a an obvious one, um, and about I guess about eighteen months ago, we had a really fortuitous break in terms of accessing that market. So um, we were back in December twenty twenty. We were one of thirteen startups, the only startup from outside of the US, actually to be accepted onto an accelerator called KidsX, which is run by Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. Mm. And um, what that accelerator did, and it was really quite unique in terms of how accelerators operate, what that accelerator did was they had assembled a, a network of 50 or so children's hospitals, um, most of them US-based, uh, a scattering in Europe as well. Um, and... They had kind of they kind of said to all of these hospitals in this network to be part of the network you need to be willing to uh, engage with these startups and and take them on uh, commercial commercial trials basically um, and the way the, the selection process worked was that all 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 fifty plus hospitals voted on the startups that they would like to see being part of the accelerator and we got through Ooh. which was amazing. Um, and that's that resulted. That's a huge honour. Yeah, it was, one, it, it, one, the one, the one only non-US company. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, it was incredible. Um, and uh, that resulted in a kind of matchmaking exercise with the hospitals that voted for us, and about twenty or so of the hospitals had voted for us, so which was amazing. Um, and you know, we now we now count Boston Children's Hospital as a customer as a result of that process. Um, and, um, you know, we, we, I mentioned the trial that we've got going on in, in Portland, Oregon. Mm. That's as a result of that process. Um, we're, we've got other customers in the US who weren't necessarily part of the Kids Ets network, but because of the reputational value of that, uh, that accelerator, 
and we had introductions there as well so um so that really i I mean it did what accelerators are supposed to do it really accelerated (laughs) us into the u.s market um and uh, uh so 2020 we went from you know the beginning of 2020 we went from having no uh no traction whatsoever in the us to now where you know we've we've got several customers we've got trials going on and uh, we're now part of actually um another uh program which is a, a an incubator as opposed to an accelerator i'm not quite sure what the difference is but um <laughs> it's a it's a year long incubator run by um uh, a, a payer so um they're called care first they're part of the blue cross blue shield network and okay. a provider which is uh lifebridge health who provide um integrated health services in the mid-atlantic region mm-hmm. um and what they're doing and again i've just we're, we're one of seven startups on that and again the only one outside of the u.s um what they're doing is um as well as providing some investment they're um they're really mentoring us on how we uh, how we do two things that are really important for our kind of growth over the next uh, eighteen months or so. One is how do we go from secondary and tertiary care into primary care as well, uh, and then the um, the th- the other thing is how do we position ourselves for the payer market in the US? Right, and what is it? Because obviously, you know, it's, it seems like that's a pretty strong strongly positive reaction to what you're doing you know from the first accelerator where there's 20 or so hospitals that have sort of opted in yeah. to want to talk to you to the incubator to the insurer and so on like what is it particularly that they're interested in you know beyond the general wow what you're yeah. doing is really cool but what is it that's particularly attractive to them yeah so i think there's um uh there's a difference a key difference between the UK and the US, and that is the emphasis on patient engagement. Patient right. engagement is a real driver in the US in a way that in a way in which it isn't here. Um, and uh, we play very neatly into into patient engagement. Um, so you know we're not having that. You know, I, th- I finished just before the commercial break, saying you know one of the questions clinicians ask is how are we going to pay for it mm-hmm. that is not a question we get asked in the united states and that's because and so what do they mean or what do you mean by patient engagement well, what does that mean where does it start where does it stop okay so so um we're i mean patient engagement should start as explorer does at the very point of first contact with the healthcare mm-hmm. system and it should follow that 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 relationship through uh to beyond discharge um and explorer explorer does that very effectively um and i guess what we we what we help a hospital do is um build better longer lasting relationships with patients and remember in the us their customers as much as their yeah, patients. Yeah, so I, I was going to um, ask if that if that yeah. do you think that's one of the reasons why patient engagement is more important I'd, I, I I think it definitely plays into that, yeah. And 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 look, you know, as someone wanting to provide information for kids, I'd far rather that we weren't in that kind of commercial discussion. But we are. We're a business, and 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 from a yeah. business perspective, playing into that personal that that patient engagement piece because it is a competitive system um, works really well for us. And um, and like, maybe it's different in the US. 
I don't know. If if people aren't using Explorer, if hospitals or healthcare providers don't have Explorer within pediatrics, generally what are they doing? Is it still leaflets? Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it's still that's kind yeah. of what you're pitching against. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So 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 it is leaflets. I mean, but in the in the UK they're called place specialists. In the, in the United States they're called child life specialists. Those okay. are the people on the ground who. Uh, very effectively do what we're trying to do digitally um right but that's but, like a one to well it's like a physical that's a person. one it's a that's it's a scalable. it's a physical person yeah and and you know there just aren't the resources to have one child life pe- uh or one place specialist to one patient yeah um so so those are that those are the departments that we play most well into child life place play play therapy yeah. Um, but as you say, you know, you know, we're we're we're, we're filling in the gaps because the, there aren't the resources for them to provide that one-to-one care all the time. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely understand. I mean, it sort of would be sort of bizarre that there would be an expectation that there would be an individual advisor per yeah. child like that. Would I could see? I, I'm not sure necessarily that I would think that would be. I think that would be great. But I'm just not sure I would have that expectation. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, so what's next, you know, in the next sort of 12 to 24 months for Exploro? Well, look, I mean, I've talked a lot about the commercialism in the States. Let me tell you what we're doing in Africa. So, Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. So um, uh, last year we teamed up with a charity called World Child Cancer. Uh, and we've, um, we've basically given them uh, as many licenses as they need unlimited numbers, uh, to put Explorer in the hands of children in low and middle income countries. Um, And to that end, uh, we went live in Ghana uh, in November of last year. Um, We're going live in Malawi soon, uh, which is going to require us to translate Explorer into a language called Chichewa, which I've never heard of before. Um, And then we're we're going live in the Cameroon uh, after that, and then hopefully Bangladesh and Nepal um, later in the year. So, um, you know, that's something I'm phenomenally excited about. Yeah. And and how did those things come about? What, What was the pathway to those? Well, so so someone from World Child Cancer got in touch because they'd heard about Explorer. Um, and I, as soon as I heard what their mission was, um, you know, it was an easy decision that we would just give them Explorer. Right. Um, um, so um, we've, I mean, we basically, um, we have to do, a, a, obviously, a, a degree of localization um, for every territory that we go in. Yeah. So into so so they cover the 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 at cost they cover the cost of that development but we mm-hmm. give them um uh, we give them the licenses for free and um is that something that they what was when they came to you what was it what was the challenge that they were having specifically that they thought oh wow we've read about explorer and explorer can help okay so this. yeah it's well so so you know imagine Imagine the problem that we're facing in the UK, which is, you know, you go into a hospital and all you get is a leaflet about proton beam therapy. Yeah. You go into a hospital in Africa, you don't even necessarily get a leaflet. You know, there are no, you know, resources are so scarce that patient information is way down the list of priorities. So, um, so we're fulfilling that gap. Um, And actually it's part of 
through the NGO who's actually having to step in basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's, that's you know that's something exciting. Hugely exciting. And then the other thing that that is also hugely exciting, which um, we're developing, or we're beginning to develop this year, is, um, and I relate it back to my daughter's experience. So when when my daughter was going through treatment, her brother, who is two years younger than her, uh, he was eleven at the time, um, his needs were ignored for a year. You know, we eleven-year-old mm-hmm. boy, lots of needs, but our focus was on our daughter because she she you know, was potentially dying. So, um, yeah. so I've, I've been really interested in the psychosocial needs of siblings. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're doing over the coming few months is developing content for siblings. So mm-hmm. when a parent gets access to Explorer, they'll get access for all of their children and each child can have an instance of Explorer. Uh, we can enable communication between those apps because it's been authorized by the parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means we can do funky things like have avatars meet in augmented reality, share hugs, share emojis, share messaging, cool. that kind of stuff. So that is cool. That is really cool. So they can kind yeah. of siblings can kind yeah. of talk yeah. to each other. Yeah, and it takes us into it takes us into a more kind of holistic space where we're thinking about if if a mem- if a family member is going through treatment, how do we support the whole family through that? Yeah, and it also sort of extends your touch point like how like how long you're helping through the process right yes like it's not just like oh here's some information about how an mri scan works it's actually supporting everybody totally through this journey which could take years i mean it could be a very long journey for for some people totally yeah 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 cool well look dom thank you very much for coming on the show we've come to the end of the show normally we don't we i have to ask all sorts of other questions but this time we just got right to the end of the show so it was great to have you on i think that's a a testament to how interesting what you guys are doing at explorer is so yeah look thank you so much for coming on the show it's been great to have you on um and thanks to everyone for listening we'll be back again next week it's been an absolute pleasure thanks Life goes.